Amen. Well, thank you again for being here. I know that this is different. This is not uh, what we're used to, but we're going to make the most of it. I am excited today that we get to start a new sermon series today called Faith Over Fear. This is a time where there is a lot of fear, a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, um, a lot of um, really despair and anxiety. And so I wanted to take a break from uh, the book of Acts, at least for these next three weeks, because I feel like we need a message uh, from God's Word that speaks to our current situation. This is not... um, this is not how it should be, right? This is different times right now. Um, and, and it's hard to wrap our minds around faith over fear. There's a lot of fear today. I remember I've been watching the, um, the news and a lot of people are comparing what's going on now to the Spanish flu that happened 100 years ago. So we are going through a situation right now um, that is uh, nearly a century in the making. These things that we're going through now have not happened in over a year. And that is incredible to me. And so we need a word from God. We need God's word to tell us how to respond. I could have brought this message to you um, a month ago, a year ago, forever ago, and it might have you know, hit you or, or you might have gotten something from it. But now it's different. Whenever we're looking fear in the face, a lot of uncertainty. I had a, uh, just, just a, a week or, or a week and a half ago, a week and a half ago, um, I saw online uh, a, a fellow pastor that they weren't able to meet in their location. And I thought, man, that's that's crazy, um, you know, that, that they're not able to meet. I, I really feel bad for him. Not knowing that all of us weren't going to be able to meet, that, God, that it was just going to work out that way. And for a lot of you, you know, the question is, how do we cope in the face of this? Um, how do we cope in the face of this adversity? I know some of you have, have lost your jobs. Um, some of you maybe are losing hours. Some of you probably aren't sure what the future holds. And today we're going to ask God a question. God, how are we to respond in faith before the fear that we see? This is not a joke. This is real life. And the good news is that God loves us. God cares for us. And God says in his word, that He will provide for us, that we need to have faith. Now, hear me out on the front end. Whenever I say faith, I don't mean that you should just go outside and hug everyone you see and and lick all the doorknobs you see and all that. No, we need to follow the guidelines and the the advice from our governing authorities. We we need to practice the social distancing. That's what we're doing right now. Uh, we need to wash our hands. We do all that stuff. But we don't need to be gripped by fear. And we don't need to panic as people that have no hope. Because we are people that do have hope. Our hope is in the everlasting, unchanging, all-powerful God. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, His Son. So we do not despair as people without hope. We're going to wash our hands, okay? We're going to wash our hands, but we're also going to trust in God and we're not going to panic. We're not going to panic. And so today, our passage 
comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. Feel free to turn there in your Bibles if you'd like. I am going to have the passage on the screen right here. So let's go ahead and read it. Uh, Start in our text, just a small text, and then let's work through it and see how Jesus shows us to choose faith over fear. This is what it says, Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... In all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we... Uh, sorry. Move there. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Such an outstanding passage for us. The command of Jesus not to be anxious. Not to be afraid. But to place our faith in God who will provide for us all things. What we're going to see today in this passage is Jesus does three things in this. This section is actually from a sermon, a larger sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he does three things to us. Jesus here confronts our anxieties, brings perspective to our anxiety, and then shows us the way forward from our anxieties. So he confronts, he confronts, he brings perspective, And then he shows the path, shows the way forward. That's exactly what he does. Now, going back to the text, you'll notice at the very beginning in verse 25, it says, therefore, therefore. And so if you've ever read the Bible or, or, you know, um, heard a pastor say this, anytime you see a therefore, you need to know what it is there for. So that means we need to go back into the previous section to understand what is going on. We need to establish the context. Therefore, do not be anxious. Well, why not? What, what happened beforehand? Well, this is the passage. This is what Jesus says right before. This is the context we're going to be look, looking at to establish the context. Jesus says just before he, he goes into the section we read, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus is saying, do not be anxious as if you are people with no hope. Some people in this world store up treasures on this earth. 
Some people in this world live for what the earth brings them, whether it's success, whether it's money, whether it's, it can be even, those aren't even bad things, right? Those aren't bad things. They can be bad things if they become your God, but those aren't bad things. But Jesus is moving our eyes from the treasures of this earth to the treasures of heaven. He's contrasting two types of people. Those that live for the treasures of today and those that live for the treasures of eternity. And his specific command is to not pursue possessions, money, property, treasure. Don't pursue that at the expense of heavenly treasure. Don't pursue that promotion. Don't pursue that lottery ticket. Don't pursue those things as if those are the most valuable things that exist. Because they're not. There's far greater treasure in heaven because you're not going to take the treasures of this earth with you. He is bringing perspective to us. We have to live for things that last into eternity. What lasts into eternity? Love lasts into eternity. Peace lasts into eternity. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, God himself, a relationship with God. Whenever we die, those things cannot be taken from us. Everything else can be taken from us. And a lot of times, especially now, we often try to find eternal things in worldly things. So, for example... If you try to find your peace in money, whenever the money's gone, your peace is gone. Okay? If you try to find your hope in your job, whenever your job is gone, your hope is gone. And so that's why we can't build treasure on this earth and place our trust in the things on this earth because in an instant it can be gone. And we know that right now. We are fighting an enemy that we cannot see, microscopic. We cannot see it, and it's brought the whole world to its knees. America, the greatest country in the world, to its knees. You're not even supposed to go outside, right? If your hope is in your job and your money and all that stuff, whenever that's gone, the hope is gone. And so the context here is Jesus is forcing us to think beyond the temporary, the transient, what we can grab, and look to the higher ideal, which is God himself, and find our hope in God himself, our treasure in God himself. Because if we do that, that treasure will not be taken away, pursuing the treasure of heaven rather than the treasure of earth. That's the context here. That's what Jesus is talking about. So the question then, the logical question that that we would have, and kind of what brings up verse 25 in this whole section, is that, okay, Jesus, we understand we don't need to find our hope in the things of this world, but we still need food to survive, right? We still need water to survive. We still need clothing. We still need shelter. We still need these things to survive, We still need stuff. What about that? What do we do then? I'm not pursuing these things as a treasure, but I still got to eat. I still got to feed my family. I still got to put clothes on my kids. 
we still need toilet paper, right? <laughs> if you've been trying to find toilet paper, you might have had uh, a, a lot of issues with that today um, or this, this past week. I, I actually got very lucky. I was in Hannaford, not even there for toilet paper. We didn't have a lot of toilet paper, but I wasn't there for toilet paper. I was just walking down the aisle, and the guy's putting it out. Like The biggest things of toilet paper, I would never buy this much it's a one packet thing. It's an 18 pack thing, and that's all they had. I was like, well, I, I should probably get this because we are running low, right? So we still need these things. And so, what is Jesus' response to that? Okay, we're not going to pursue the things of this world, but what about the things that we actually need in this world? What about those things? And it's here that Jesus confronts our anxieties. It's to these anxieties that Jesus responds. It's to these issues and these questions that Jesus responds, that we don't need to pursue the riches and the possessions of this world. And he's also saying we don't need to be anxious about the basic necessities of life as an extension of that. And so that's what we see in verse 25. The first thing Jesus does is he confronts us and he confronts our anxieties. Verse 25a, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Now this command is a very interesting command. He says, do not be anxious. How do we stop being anxious, right? How do you stop being anxious? It's like telling someone to stop doing something, and the more you tell them, the more they do it, right? It's not one of those things that you can just turn off, right? Like if Abram and Ellie are fighting, and I say, hey, stop, they can stop fighting. Like they can literally hold, put their arms down and not hit each other or, or whatever. Not that they do that a lot, but just as an example. But for anxiety, if I just say, hey, stop being anxious, you're like, okay, let me just press this anxious button and I'm stopping anxious. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Why does Jesus say this? What is his point? What is he getting at? Because there's a lot of reasons to be anxious today, and it's not so easy to turn that off. What are you anxious about? What are you um, worried about? In Jesus, he says, do not be anxious about your life. His specific um, what he means by the word life, he says, what you eat, what you drink, what's your body, uh, what you need for your body. What he means is, don't be anxious about basic necessities. That, that's what he's saying. Don't be anxious about. Don't be anxious about the toilet paper, right? Don't be anxious about the food. Don't be anxious about the water. Don't be anxious about those things. He confronts us right there. He confronts us right there. So, what are you anxious about? What are you worried about? Jesus tell us, tells us not to be worried. The treasures of this world will not last, so we cannot depend on them anyways. Do not be anxious. And we're going to get to the rest of that, to, to the rest of the section to fill it out a little bit. But that's the confrontation. And, and it, it, it seems hard, for all the reasons I've said, to just turn that off. But, but that's the goal. No anxiety. Where Jesus is, where a relationship with Him is, where true connection with Christ is, no anxiety. 
anxiety stops. And you might say, well, that's easy for you to say, or, well, you know, maybe in regular times, but not right now. No, in Christ, anxiety stops. And it sounds like it's too good to be true. But that's the confrontation that Jesus brings. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. That's the command. That's the confrontation. Then he goes to the second half of verse 25. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He confronts our anxieties and now he brings perspective to our anxiety. While our body, our bodies have basic needs, food, drink, um, water, place to live, shelter, that type of thing. Those needs are not ultimate needs. The temptation that we have is that we can be so consumed by our bodies that we forget our souls. We can be so consumed by our earthly needs that we forget our heavenly needs, our spiritual needs, our ultimate needs, our needs to be reconciled with our Creator, our need of faith. Because if God controls everything and He created everything, can He not provide for us the things that we need? We don't run after the things of this earth. We run after the God of the earth. That is what Jesus is saying. That's the perspective. Whenever we are consumed by the needs of this world, that is fear over faith. Whenever we see the empty toilet paper aisle and our heart kind of skips and we kind of lose our breath, and we sweat a little bit. That is fear over faith. And this is understandable, right? If you literally have nothing to eat or drink or wear, that is cause for concern and a a just cause for concern. The question is, will you have fear over faith? You can have these needs and still have faith over fear. That's, That's what I am getting at right here. So Jesus is bringing perspective. Here is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, don't worry about these basic needs in such a way that you are fearful and anxious and afraid because your life is more than these things. Your life is found in God and God will take care of you. So he confronts our anxieties. Do not be anxious. He brings perspective to our anxieties. And now he shows us a path forward from our anxieties. And the first thing that he does, and the first thing we're going to learn about this path forward, is that we do not need to be anxious because God cares for us and will provide for our needs. Say that again. We do not need to be anxious. Hear me. This is a promise that Jesus says. Because God cares for you and will provide for your needs. This is what he says. This is what it says in verse 28 and then, uh, sorry, 26 and then 28 and 29. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And then your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed 
like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you, O you of little faith? Jesus proves to us that God cares for us and will provide for our needs by pointing to nature. He points to the birds of the air. The birds of the air do not farm, right? You're not going to see a bird in overalls. You're not going to see a bird on a tractor. They just fly around. And they survive because God cares for them. The lilies of the field, they are beautiful. They are adorned in in, um, the petals and in the bright colors. They are a sight to behold. And they have done nothing themselves to look the way that they look. He compares them as being more beautiful, more opulent than even Solomon, King Solomon, who is the richest king in the history of Israel. And it begs the question, if the birds and the lilies don't do anything, and yet they are taken care of, what does that mean for you? Are you not more valuable to God than birds, than flowers, than lilies? And the, that question and the answer is yes. Yes, you are way more valuable than these things. The Bible says that we are made in the image of God, that we are image bearers, that God has, has uh, that we are distinct from the rest of creation. No, no, no other thing created bears God's image the way that we do. That whenever we show love and kindness, uh, whenever we um, show faith and hope in the midst of adversity, that's just a reflection of who God is. We are image bearers of Christ, and for those who know Jesus, image bearers of God as humans. And if that's the case, God loves and cares for us more than the birds and the lilies. And if He if He provides for those things, will He not more much more provide for us? The image bears that we are. We bear the image of an, an almighty God, an all-powerful God, an all-loving God. In Christ, we are His people, adopted sons and daughters of the King that rules the universe. Let me say this. Jesus is still on the throne, okay? He didn't fall off the throne. He didn't go to Martin's Point because he had a cough, right? That's not how it works, he is reigning still. And the promise is that he, you are more valuable to that king than the birds and the lilies and all of that. And you will be provided for. That's what he says. For those who love and follow Christ and place faith in Jesus over fear in this world. So where then does this anxiety come from? At the very end, he says, He says, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Anxiety comes from lack of faith. Anxiety grows out of a lack of trust in God. And the greater the mistrust, the greater the anxiety. And so in the face of fear, you might try really hard and scrub all the things and, and quarantine and do those things. 
But that's not going to get rid of your fear. Okay? That's not going to get rid of your fear. Only faith in an all-powerful, almighty, all-loving, all-able God is a cure to anxiety and fear. To place faith over fear. To follow what Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 7. To cast all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. God cares for you so much. My mom um, has this funny saying that she likes to say a lot, and I, I think it applies. She says that God owns a cattle, God owns cattle on a thousand hills, and if God needs to, He'll sell a cow. For some of you who are maybe lost a job or not really sure where your next paycheck's coming from, I've been there. I think we've all been there at some point. I've been there uh, less than two years ago. Got a family, had no idea where my next paycheck was going to come from. But the saying is true. If God needs to, he'll sell a cow. There's going to be a lot of hamburgers, right? He's going to sell a cow. He's going to provide for you. I've seen this happen. A couple in a church that I was at a few years back, they made they were uh, small business owners. They made $11,000 that year. Family of four, $11,000. God provided for them. He brought them through it. The next year, the husband got a new job. They made a lot more than $11,000. God provides. God cares for us. He sees our needs, and He responds. We're more valuable than anything else in all of creation. God loves us. He will provide for us. Amen to that. So that's the first path forward, the first way forward. The second thing that we learn, the second perspective or the second path forward from our anxiety that we need to think about is that we don't need to be anxious because being anxious doesn't help anything. It doesn't fix anything. It only takes away. This is what he says. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And the answer is none of us, right? We often get anxious whenever we feel like we need more, especially this time. More money, more time, more hours at work, more opportunity, more whatever. And the trick of anxiety is that we get anxious as if anxiety can add to those things, but it cannot add. Anxiety can only take away. It takes away rest. It takes away peace. It takes away trust. It takes away time. Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? The only thing that anxiety adds is burden. The cure for anxiety then is trust in the sovereign God. This is what Psalm 127 verses 1 to 2 says. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. This psalm I love it so much because it reflects on the sovereignty of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, 
the builders labor in vain. We can be building the house, right? There's still action on our part, but it's one of belief and trust in God that as we are going about doing our due diligence, going about our business, that there is a sovereign God that reigns over all of it, that is working it all out. The second verse here shows us that we can work in such a way that we do not trust God. We can work in such a way that we do not trust God, and the end of it is anxious toil, is burden, is burnout, is ineffectual vanity. That's what it says. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. This is someone up at the crack of dawn who goes to sleep well after, gets off of work, well after the sun is set, 12-hour days, 16-hour days, eating the bread of anxious toil, vanity, working, 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 but not able to come to any rest because he does not lean on the sovereignty of God. That There is a God over it that rules, that reigns, that provides, that works it all out. We can work in such a way that we do not trust God and toil and toil and toil. But for those who do trust God, it says at the end, For he gives to his beloved sleep. Let us work, let us be diligent, but in a trusting way that God is over it all, working it all out, even as we work, even as we try to work things out, going to sleep at night like a baby. Some of you may have had sleepless nights or may have sleepless nights. The cure for a sleepless night is a belief in an unshakable, all-sovereign God. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Anxious toil doesn't lead to rest. Because anxious toil cannot give rest. Only God can give rest. And so as we reflect on this passage here, seeing that God cares for us, and that anxiety is just a waste and doesn't lead to anything, what we need, the big takeaway we need to see is that the source of our anxiety ultimately is a lack of trust in God. Forgetting who He is, forgetting who you are, and forgetting what He's done. And the result of this trust is anxious toil, sleepless nights. Jesus calls us, yes, it, it, there's a lot of there's trouble now. Maybe maybe you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from. All of that's real. We don't want to diminish that. What Jesus is saying is that God reigns over your paycheck. God reigns over your job. God reigns over your food. He will provide for you. And that is the test. Whenever you look fear in the face, that is where faith comes into play. Again, I could have given you this message a year ago, but now it's real. Okay, now it's real. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been in a spot, in a pickle, like, God, I don't know what you're going to do here, but we are really, really struggling. And he comes through. He comes through. Peace like a river. Peace like a river. There's this hymn, this hymn um, that I love. Maybe we should sing it soon. It says this, And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. 
that we need to turn our eyes upon Jesus to look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace to choose faith over fear. Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. It's such a comfort that we have that Jesus gives us. So what then is the solution? What's the application? What do we do? If we're actually going to apply this, what do we do? Well, Jesus tells us here at the very, very end where he wraps things up. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus comes back to the question, Therefore, do not be anxious, even pagans, right, need the same things as you do. It's not that God is just unaware or oblivious to your needs. No, He knows what you need. Jesus calls us to respond to this message with this last verse in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That first Section, first two words, verse 33. Seek first. Seek first. What are you seeking? Seek first. It's a question, it's a it's a statement of priority. God is calling us to do the opposite of our natural inclination. Our natural inclination is me, me, me. That's why the toilet aisle, the toilet paper aisle is empty. Our first inclination is to look after number one first. Our natural inclination is to run straight to the toilet paper aisle and take all of the entire aisle, the entire shelf. Our natural inclination is to store treasures in heaven, but God tells us to do the opposite. God says, don't seek the kingdoms of this world. Seek my kingdom. Don't seek what this world calls right and good and well. Seek what I call right and good and well. And a paradox emerges. If we do this, if we trust in God, God will turn things upside down. We want to run after the basic necessities. God says, run after me and I will provide the basic necessities to you. That is the response. That is the response he is calling us to. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all things will be added to you. Where are you looking? Where is your gaze? Where is your heart? Where is your desire? What has priority in your life? Do you seek after God? Have you been praying to this God? Have you come to Him in His Word? Are you pursuing Christ? Are you resting? If you're not resting, then come to Jesus. He offers rest Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. That is an offering to you. If you do not know this Jesus, there is a sickness far worse than the coronavirus, and that sickness is sin. And we all got it out of the womb. We all have it. None of us searches after God. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we need to be reconciled with Him. 
that that is our biggest issue. The coronavirus is bad. This is a bad time, but it's nothing compared to our sin because our sin is an eternal sickness. We're going to get, we can, we can get over this coronavirus thing, but we cannot deal with our sin. Only Jesus can save us from our sin. So if you don't know this Christ, I call you to the peace that he brings and he gives. I call you to the life that he brings that he gives. It's an eternal life, an eternal life. There is no sickness in Christ. There is only life that he rose from the dead, he, he, he uh, died on the cross, he rose from the grave, he has called all of us to turn from our sins, to place our faith in him. And if we do that, we will be saved. We have a sure and steady hope. Church, this is the message that we have for the world right now. People are looking for hope. People are looking for something to place their faith in. His people are afraid, and we have a living hope. He promises us that He will provide for us everything we need. He promises that. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. All of these things will be added to you. There is no room for equivocation. All of these things will be added to you. If you don't know Jesus, this is where you start salvation from sin. I am a sinner. I need Jesus to save me. I need to turn from my sins, place my faith in Him. That's where you start. That cure is much greater. That cure of sin is much greater than any cure of coronavirus, right? But for us that trust Jesus, we need to be encouraged that Jesus will see us through to place our faith in Him, to pursue Him, to pray. I know that we're kind of, you know, stretched across the, the county here. We're not going to be able to gather to get together like we want to, but we can still come together and pray as a people to search for Him, to seek His face. We have, church, good news for people looking for it that we can give to them. So let me encourage you today that the worst thing that could happen to you is taken care of in Christ. We have eternal life. And if He has so saved us for eternity, He will save us for the next weeks, months, years. I don't know how long this is going to happen. It doesn't matter. Jesus reigns on the throne. Remember that. Place your faith in Him. Let anxiety go away. Pursue Him. Put faith over fear. And for those of you that do not know this Christ, I call you to trust in Him today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I uh, just want to thank you for this morning. Um, how crazy it is, Lord. How crazy all of this is. Um, but it doesn't matter, Lord, because you are the God that's still on the throne. You are the God that still reigns. You are the God that is still able to do all things, Lord. I thank you for everyone here. I pray over the message. I pray that you would comfort us, that you would be with us, that you would, Lord, for those that don't know you, save us. That is what is most important, Lord. There is eternity at stake, Lord. This is temporary. There is eternity at stake. Help us, Lord, to see afresh anew the face of Christ and to respond in faith. Lord, I pray for everyone watching. I pray for our families, our kids. Keep us safe. Um, 
Lord, show us that your word is true. Show us that your word is true. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be provided for you. Show us that your word is true. For those struggling, fearful, without a job, without money, Lord, not sure what the weeks and the months hold, show us that your word is true as we respond in faith. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, God, for your grace. I pray over everyone who's watching. I pray for these next few weeks and months that this would blow over, Lord, that we would get back to normalcy. And uh, may you be honored and glorified, Lord. It's on the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.